Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Who remembers these things? This is something we used to use back in the um, last millennium, actually. Yeah, it's called a Bible and it's made of paper. Paper is something we used to use a lot more than we do now as well. And this one is actually a King James version of the Bible. So lots of these and thous and so-and-so begat so-and-so and and, um, uh, all sorts of funny words in there. But this is also a Bible. And I don't know about you, but I use this these days probably a hundred times more than I use this. This is one version of the Bible, the King King James Version. In here, there are there are fifty or more versions of the Bible, and I can cross reference things and check things. It's an amazing little piece of machinery, isn't it? And so tonight, I want us to start by making an affirmation. An affirmation, and I'm not, you don't have to do this, but I'm, I'm inviting you to, to read this confession with me. And let's, as we do this, let's do it in faith that the Holy Spirit is actually going to move in this place tonight and teach us something and that we won't leave here the same as we came in. So I invite you to read this with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. God is who it says he is. He can do what it says he can do. Today, the Holy Spirit will teach me the word of God. I boldly confess that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and my will is submitted to God. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't that a good confession? And isn't that a good way to approach the word of God, saying God is who he says he is, I am who God says I am, and I this is going to change my life. This is going to be something which impacts me and changes my life. And we're going to have a little uh, a little talk about that today, about the word of God and how it can uh, it can change and impact our lives. So firstly, a story. It's a story about an interaction that I had recently where I came face to face with uh, with a spiritual encounter. And you know, there are times in life where, you just, you know, go along and your, your faith is fairly routine and, and nothing much seems to happen. And then just out of the blue, you can have an amazing experience or encounter with the Holy Spirit where you find he's doing something in you. Or alternatively, you can have an encounter with uh, the, the spiritual forces of evil that also exist in this world. And we see them by faith or we see them in circumstances and so on. And so uh, a little while ago, I was at a social function uh, to do with the Granary Church and um, I was setting up and there were a couple of us there setting up and then the next person to arrive was someone that that I knew only fairly briefly um, and they, they weren't not really a part of the church yet. Um, and they came up to me and looked at me and said, you, holy man of God, you granary pastor, answer some questions for me. Why is your God so wicked? Why do you believe in one God only? I believe in lots of gods. And your God is a God who does terrible things. He kills children. It says in the Bible that he killed, that when the flood happened over the earth, 
All the people died, women, men, children, they all died. It says in the Bible that when he rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah, women, children, all died, men, all died. And he went through a whole lot of sort of biblical examples of where Moses and Joshua had been told to go and remove the Canaanites from the land and uh, that involved, you know, clearing out whole villages. And, And that sort of thing for us as Christians can be actually a little bit hard to come to terms with. How do you, when you really think about it, if you were to dwell on that sort of thing, how do you come to terms with that? Well, this young man knew knew those Bible verses, but he had not come to them with an attitude of, I am going to learn about God. I'm going to try and understand this and grapple with it. It was more just a, no, there's an example that God is a bad God and, um, you know, mind made up. And so how we approach our Bible is a very important thing. And I want us to just stop for a minute as well and just stop. And I want you to join with me in prayer for that young man, because we're going to see him again. And we are going to share the gospel of Jesus with him. And, you know, when he was sort of shouting those things at me, people were starting to arrive at this social function. And I thought, oh, this is, you know, we've got to just finish this so that we can get on with what we're meant to be doing. And uh, one of the things he said to me, he said, um, I, I want to, you, you tell me, you man of God, you holy man of God. He said, you t- I want you to tell me where I can find people who worship Satan because I want to go and be with them and I want to find out more about demons. Where can I find out about demons? And I'm sort of, I'm, yeah, sort of wrong person really to ask here, <laughs> you know. But then he said to me, and I want to learn how to talk to demons. Teach me how to talk to demons. <laughs> Just, I'm sure this was just one of those God moments where I just said, oh, you're in luck. I'm just going to talk to one right now. <laughs> and I just looked at this guy and I knew, look, nice guy. And this was something that was speaking through him, something that was speaking through him that for some reason he'd opened his life and, and picked up this, this spiritual force of evil and it can happen to any of us, seriously. And this thing was speaking through him. And I said to him, yep, I'm going to talk to one right now. And I just went like this, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. That's so important, isn't it? At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. In Jesus' name, I said, be silent, be still, stop talking. You will not, in the name of Jesus, disrupt this gathering. And I bind you in Jesus' name, you will be be quiet. And at that, he just sort of stopped for a second and put his headphones on and went and sat about 20 metres away and for the next couple of hours just basically listened to his headphones, you know, and there was no disruption and there was no further things coming from him that um, that would have been hard for other people to understand. But um, I want us to pray for that young man right now. Will you, will you exercise your faith with mine as well to see him delivered and set free? We've been singing about it tonight, you know, about being set free and what have you. But here's a guy that really needs it. So will you join your faith with me? So pray, you pray, and I'll pray. Father God, we lift up that young man to you tonight, Lord. We, we, we are passionate, Father, in our prayer that he gets saved and he gets free of the things in his life that are holding him back from his destiny in you. Lord, we pray that there will be salvation in his life, in his household, that will just completely change his life. And we bind every spiritual force of evil that's holding him back in the name of Jesus, at whose name every knee shall bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. 
Thank you, Father, for setting him free in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that. And if you can think of continuing that prayer over the next few weeks, that would be great. But, you know, coming back to the Bible, it is a, it is a difficult book. I mean, you know, the, he, he was right. Those things are all in the Bible. You know, when, when Satan went to Jesus in the wilderness and said, it is written, he was right. Those things were in the Bible. But he was sort of misusing those to try and trick and to and for his own purposes rather than coming to the word of God and letting God have his will and his purposes come into our lives. The word of God is what, what uh, feeds us and, and renews our mind and does so, so many things for believers. The Bible is, is, a, is a very examined book. Um, you know, I don't know about you as Christians. Some of you might have been to Bible college and you've, you've um, sort of studied the Bible like a textbook and you've gone deeper into um, the original languages and that sort of thing. A lot of people study it. A lot of people read it like a novel from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. Before I was a Christian, I started doing that. I was only about 14 at the time, you know, and the Gideons give out those Bibles at school. It was a New Testament and I, I started reading that and I thought, oh, I wouldn't mind reading this book right from the very beginning. So I started at Genesis in another Bible, got through Genesis. It's pretty interesting. Exodus, yeah, some good stories in there. Leviticus, and I got to the, I got to who begat who, and all that, you know, so-and-so begat somebody who begat somebody who begat somebody, and there were way too many begats, and I just gave up. And then a year or so later, I thought, no, I'll give it another go. I still wasn't a Christian, and I read it, and I, I got to the bits where um, it, it started talk. It had a whole lot of words that really I didn't know what they meant, and it, it talked about, you know, the people of Israel fought against the stalagmites and the stalactites and the this and that and the other thing. You know, there seemed to be a lot of tights in there. Again, I just, I, I sort of got bogged down in it, you know. Um, but to read the Bible from cover to cover for, as a Christian, it, it is a good thing because you get a big scope of the picture of what it's all about, of what God's done in history, of his plan to rescue human beings from the sin that we read about in the first couple of chapters of Genesis and how God was working out his will and his way to bring back that uh, to bring back that Garden of Eden that was his will in the first place. So reading it like that is good. You can examine it like a parchment or like, uh, you know, study it in minute detail. When If you do go to Bible college, they, you know, they will talk a lot about who wrote this book, why they wrote it, and who it was written to. And when you understand those things, again, you get this big picture and you sort of, you, you get, begin to understand a bit better what it's all about. And things like the flood, you know, you can begin to understand what God was doing, that the earth was full of wickedness, absolute wickedness, and God wanted a new start God wanted a fresh start because if he hadn't done that, the, the world today that we are living in would not be like it is right now without God's plan of fresh start, of salvation and so on. But as we work down the list that's behind me, we come to memorizing and meditating. And these two are very close to each other because to memorize the word of God, to actually take scriptures and commit them to memory and then to meditate on them and apply them to your life 
becomes an incredibly personal thing and an incredibly intimate thing. The first few, th- few things are about renewing our mind, but if that's, if that's the way you come to God's word and that's the only way, what you end up with is a very dry intellectual faith and what's important to you are things like doctrines and theology and arguing about, uh, you know, whether the predestination is right or whether it's free will and, you know, d- just this, this sort of head thing takes over and we forget about the heart. We forget about our, our, our wounded emotions. We forget how much healing we need from the scripture, how much we need to actually meet with an intimate God who wants to speak to us intimately and relate to us intimately. So this key verse, this theme verse, be still and know that I am God from Psalm 46 is an interesting verse. When I show you that, What do you think of? My guess is that you are thinking, okay, he's going to talk about creating space in our lives, stilling our thoughts, stilling our hearts so that we can actually spend time with God and hear him speaking. And yes, that's, you know, that's a valid way of looking at that verse. But if you were to look at it from the way of studying and examining the scripture, that verse is in the middle of a psalm, which is all about the nations of the world rising up against God and taking arms against God's people. And in actual fact, where it says, be still and know that I am God, those words, be still, could be better translated from the Hebrew as cease and desist. Stop your fighting. Stop your rising up because you need to stop that and know that I am the true God. Now, the thing is this, does that mean we can't read that verse and go, yes, God wants me to be still and wants me to still my heart? No, because God not only wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, God wants us to learn to hear his voice and hear him speaking to us. And there are lots of other verses in the Bible that talk about us stilling ourselves and, and coming before him, creating space for him to speak to us. For example, Psalm 131, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a child quieted at its mother's breast. So in the past seven years, my, my three daughters have produced 10 grandchildren. Pretty big, big effort there on their behalf and their husband's behalfs. <laughs> Some of them, you know, Asher, you know, Asher's been a busy man raising four of those grandchildren. But I have been able to observe these grandchildren, especially when they're babies and when they're upset and, and you know, they've, they've checked the nappy and they've looked after the physical needs of the baby and they're still not, uh, not settling. But when, when the mother puts the baby on her breast or holds her to her breast and, and puts a bottle in that baby's mouth, there is a quietening. It's more than just a physical thing. There is something emotional. There is something spiritual going on there between that mother and that child. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's not something that we really want to come up to and dissect and pull apart, but just to experience, to experience that that love between mother and child and to see the child looking up into the eyes of the mother and the mother looking down with love into the, into the eyes of the child. It's a beautiful thing. And the Bible says, if we want to come into the presence of God, then we let him quiet us 
as if we were that child and he was the parent and he he stills our tumult and our thinking that is churning and our broken emotions and he just communicates his love to us. How many people are in a connect group here at the granary? How many people? Oh, lots of people. Excellent. You might not know or you might that last year we really did a lot of, because we had a lot of time without connect groups, but we've been using something called the Discovery Bible Method. And what that is, is not a method where we come at dissecting Bible passages and finding out what they meant originally, but where we come, we bring ourselves to the Bible passage and ask God to speak to us through it. So we read the passage, we pray, we ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, um, come and reveal to me, speak to me through this passage. We read the passage again. We spend a while meditating on it. God, what does this say to me? When I first um, was introduced to that way of reading the Bible, it was the verse was Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And this is what it says. The earth was without form and was empty and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Now, if you take that study approach, well, it's about creation and about the Holy Spirit being involved in creation and so on, and that's that's exactly right. But when you come to the Bible with a more devotional, meditational kind of heart and spirit, God can say whatever he wants to you through that passage. And what he said to me was this. I remember it clearly. He said, Paul, when was the last time you hovered over a place that was, was without form and was empty and was dark? And the darkness went deep. And I just sort of went, wow, you know, I spend so much of my time as a pastor with Christian people and and in a, in a beautiful work environment and so on. When was the last time I hovered over the darkness that's out in our society, over the lostness, over the chaotic, tumultuous kind of directionless spirit that is over our society? And it really impacted me and it really made me spend a lot more of my time sowing into places where there's darkness, where people are not in relationship with God, where, where the gospel is needed. God just spoke that to me. He can speak to you. He can say whatever he wants to you as you read the scripture. Ten people can read one scripture and get ten different words from God out of it because he wants to speak into your heart and your life. He wants to speak into your situation. He wants his word not just to be a dry intellectual thing, but something which impacts you and which changes who you are and what you do. And, you know, I I just want to encourage you to get into this sort of meditative way of doing things. Um, A couple of slides ago, you would have noticed there was a a logo for the Bible in One Year app. Has anyone got that on their phone besides me, Bible in One Year? Yes, okay. Yes, we've got a few people who do that. So the idea is that if you get that app, you're welcome to download it. Please do that. As Sue was saying, we don't mind you with your head down and playing around as long as you're not on Facebook or whatever, other social media. But download that app. And it will help you to read through the Bible in one year. Not only that, but to, it's, a, it's got a study guide with it as well. So the Alpha Man, Nicky Gumbel. And he really unpacks the Bible beautifully. Get it on your, you know, I'm trying to do it every day. So far, we're up to the 17th of January and I've done it every day. So far, I'm not going to call it New Year's resolution because the minute you do that, you'll break it, you know. (laughs) That's just the way those things go. But there is another app 
And it's done by the people who ran the prayer course for our connect groups, like many of the connect groups did this last year. And um, it's called Lectio 365. And it's a resource which approaches the Bible with a meditative memorization kind of approach to Scripture rather than a, now who wrote this and what's it about and let's renew our minds. It's not, not like that. And, you know, you know that from the moment you turn it on because um, in the background there's this sort of um, relaxing music like, if you know, whales singing and that sort of stuff. You know the, you know the ones that really puts you to sleep kind of music. So that plays in the background. And then a guy with a really smooth voice says, now today we will look at Psalm 1 verse 1. And you ponder that for a little while, you know, and then he'll say what that verse says. And it, But it really, seriously, it's great because if you're, I don't know if you're like me, I'm not very disciplined with my spiritual disciplines. They're called spiritual disciplines. But you know what? Things like these apps can help you to, to actually make them disciplines and to do it each day. And I find myself looking forward to listening to that devotional um, each day and, and letting it lead me into the presence of God where he can speak and he can, he can um, you know, personally build that intimate relationship, which when we're still, we can feel, we can know in a way that isn't just knowing in our head. It's a way of knowing in our heart, knowing in our emotions, knowing knowing by faith. And so um, the Bible is an amazing book. It's by far the world's most read book. It's, it's by far the most published book in the world. They don't really know how many copies there are, but about five mil- billion, um, it's estimated. It's the story of God. It's the story of Jesus, the world's greatest teacher, the world's greatest healer. It's, it contains the Sermon on the Mount, the world's greatest ethical teaching. It has the Ten Commandments in it, the world's most influential and well-known ethical code, which, which is the basis of the rule of law in our society and in most Western societies. And believe me, you are much better living in a country with the rule of law than the rule of any kind of dictatorship by people who feel they're above the law. But also within its pages is salvation. And what do I mean that by that? Well, Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to all who have faith. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to all who have faith. And let me tell you a quick story. We'll start to round it up in a minute. I used to live in a place called Aladala. Anyone ever been to Aladala? Yeah, yeah, it's a good place. It's the real surface paradise. Am I right? Absolutely. Some people call it Aladala because not a lot happens down there. I have heard it called other things such as Aladultery. But, you know, I, I don't want to go there with that one tonight. But when I lived in Aladala, I taught in a Christian school and I taught these kids whose mum had become a Christian through this incredible means and she told me her story. She's an author now. She's written several books and she's very open about her testimony. But as a young mum, she became quite depressed and things weren't going well in some of the key relationships in her life and she just uh, couldn't see a way and uh, a way out of it and an end to it. So she booked herself into a hotel and she went there with the with the aim of ending her life. 
And she went into that hotel room. She sat down on the edge of the bed and was just considering about her life. And she happened to catch out of the corner of her eye the the drawer next to the bed. And she opened it. And guess what was in there? A Gideon's Bible. So she got this Gideon's Bible out and she started reading it. And she read about Jesus and she read about salvation. And she got radically born again. Her life was changed in an instant. It's not that everything went away and all the troubles went away, but inside her, she suddenly had this relationship with God and she knew that life was going to be different. And, you know, it just came through reading the Word of God and through God speaking to her through it. And our salvation is so much bigger than just forgiveness of sins. You know, when Jesus died on that cross, he didn't just forgive your sin. He also opened the way for you to have an intimate relationship with God. But wait, there's still more. He was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities. But the chastisement or the punishment that brought you peace was upon him. When he was there on that cross being mocked and shamed and so on, there was a divine exchange. All of that for his peace upon our life. The peace is is sort of a symbol of the healing of our souls, the healing of our wounded emotions. All that's a part of our our salvation. But not only the chastisement that brought us peace was upon him, the Bible says, but by his stripes you are healed. Consider that. By his stripes you are healed. Body, soul, spirit, relationship with God, all dealt with by Jesus at the cross. But what is the content of what we dwell on in our minds? Do you meditate and confess the word of God? Do you confess those things or do you confess the things that sort of often go around in our heads where we think badly about ourselves and we think we're no good or we think that, uh, you know, we, we just accept circumstances in our life or we don't actually apply ourselves to to God's word to seek healing for our wounded emotions and so on. But you know what? It's all there. It's there for us. God is a living God and he wants to come through his word. If you hang on to his word and you 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 confess his word and you believe it and you live it, he wants to bring his kingdom into your life. But you know, Jesus told a story about Two houses, one was built on the rock and one was built on the sand. And when the wind blew, the house on the rock stood firm and the house of the sand crashed. It had a great fall. And obviously it was a parable, you know, we might call it like an extended metaphor. But Jesus was saying life is not going to be easy. Storms will come. And I've listed some things up there to do with um, the storms that can come against you in life, that, that people can misunderstand you, that you will have unfulfilled longings. If only, what God, if only I could have this, then I'd be happy. Uh, disappointments. God, I look when I look back on my life, I live with regret. Some people live with regret. They come constantly looking back and, and are disappointed about things in their life. Doubts and trials and temptations setbacks in perhaps your plans and your hopes and your dreams, even satanic attacks where like the one I described earlier on, pressure, sickness, suffering, bereavement, you know, losing someone that you love, sorrow, trauma, tragedy, persecution, failure, things to do with our mind, anxiety, depression, fears, phobias, all that sort of thing. You know, in the word of God, there are confessions, there are scriptures, there are ways, there are 
things where God can speak into each one of those things in your life and bring you through that valley of the shadow and out of that place. But you have to make a decision as well to meditate, to memorize, to confess those things. And to by doing that, to develop a relationship with God where your faith, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So your faith level jumps up and you find that you're not only letting God's word impact you, but you are using it to bless other people. Someone comes to you and says they're sick and you say, 3 John 2, you know, 3 John 2, beloved, I pray that you might prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. God, help this person to prosper and be in good health. Someone comes to you with anxiety or, you know, a lack of peace in their life. You just immediately start ministering to them. Don't be anxious about anything. Why don't we pray about it with thanksgiving? Let's thank God. And you know what? The peace of God that transcends all understanding is going to keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Do you want that? Do you want to be able to minister that stuff into each other's lives and become an agent of God's light? Well, then go deeply into that intimate relationship with him. Feel his love. Look into his eyes. Look into his word and meditate on it and memorize it. And, you know, the word of God is a sword. It can be used to cut through the powers of darkness. And I'm looking at an army here tonight. I'm looking at an army, a huge army. God has brought you here for a purpose to lift up your faith and that you might be released into your destiny to impact other people, to make a difference in this world, in your workplace, in your family, wherever you are. God is going to, you know, but you need to go deep into him and deep into his word and be able to minister and be be bold, be bold, be strong. And, you know, you guys are going to make a difference. You're going to change a generation. How exciting. Let's pray. Let's stand to our feet first. Come on, let's all stand up and let's pray. God, we want to be a, a people of power tonight, Lord God. Father, I am just blessed to see this generation uh, that are here tonight, Lord God, that are here to worship you passionately and to learn of you and to have an intimate relationship with you. And Father God, I pray that even tonight you will release people into their destiny as warriors, men and women of God who are going out as warriors of your word to bring light into the dark places, to bring order into the chaotic places, to bring the, bring the presence of God into the lost places. And Father, we pray that you will continue to grow this church, that it might be a place where we gather for worship and then scatter for witness. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 